0: Welcome to Captain's Log, where sci-fi meets theology, philosophy, and in this case, leadership. It's been a while since we've had an episode, but we're excited to get back on board with a three-part series on leadership called Four Pips Leadership Tips with Calvinus Picard. And This will be the first episode of that series where we'll actually take a look at spiritual leadership. Leadership is a buzzword lately but it's much more than irrefutable laws, a spiritual gift, or personal charisma. Over the next few episodes, we'll be taking a look at several aspects of leadership and try to go a bit deeper than the pop psychology approaches that tend to dominate the conversation. In this episode, we will explore some key spiritual aspects to leadership. In episode 13, we'll examine emotional intelligence. And in episode 14, we'll examine several practical leadership aspects worth considering, and learn from research as well as experience. And of course, we'll draw nerdy comparisons from Star Trek along the way. In today's episode, we're going to emphasize spiritual leadership. And in each episode of this series, I'd like to begin by affirming the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture in all matters. You know, leadership is a topic on which there is much that God's Word can teach us. However, we must also be careful not to turn the Bible into a textbook on leadership is so much more than that. The Bible is a revelation of God, His glory, and His redemptive plan for mankind, but if we're not careful, we can view it as a how-to manual for almost any conceivable topic, including leadership. Spiritual leadership is much more than a few carefully chosen, out-of-context Bible verses strung together to make a point, but for this episode, we will focus on three key aspects. Wisdom, Initiative, and Grace. The first aspect we'd like to focus on is wisdom. There are several things that we should consider and think about in depth as we uh, try to make sure that leadership is a topic that we engage in with wisdom and that that's a trait that we use in our leadership capacities. Wisdom in leadership begins but does not end with knowledge. Leaders must have a framework of understanding that seeks, communicates, and advances truth. Of course, for followers of Christ, this means the truth revealed by God, which is primarily through scripture. This forms the worldview of the leader and their operating paradigm, whether they are in business, education, construction, ministry, healthcare, or any other field for that matter. Additionally, being surrounded by excellent counsel leads to a chorus. Being isolated leads to cacophony. One of the ways I had a tendency to lead was to go into isolation, to formulate a vision, plan, approach, or philosophy, and then come back to present that as the way forward. Now there are several problems with that. First, it presumes that I alone have the ability to truly mine wisdom and a plan for a path forward. Second, it diminishes the contributions of others as well as their buy in upon implementation. So let me encourage you to consider the wisdom of wise counsel and surrounding yourself with others in terms of formulating a vision, in formulating a plan, and in formulating a philosophical approach to anything that you do. Wisdom is not merely crunching numbers and arriving at a logical conclusion. Rather, it is assessing, weighing, and making a good decision in a timely manner. Spock, after all, said that Logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Information gathering is not the same as wisdom, though it may start there. I myself, as an INFJ on the Myers-Briggs personality type scale, have to be mindful of my tendency to overanalyze and become paralyzed in the process. and That leads to the next key aspect of spiritual leadership that I'd like to emphasize, which is initiative. Ironically, it was initiative that put me into leadership positions early on, but as a young leader, I had a tendency to be very unsure of myself and to delay making decisions until I could gather more information, and that resulted in frustrated followers. In what might be called the paralysis of analysis, we can often become immobilized while seeking the perfect scenario. In reality, the perfect scenario likely doesn't exist. And those looking to leaders grow impatient and lose confidence if analysis actually becomes wavering. Now, initiative doesn't mean leaping before looking, but it does mean thinking ahead, reading ahead, anticipating, and regularly making decisions expeditiously. That runs the risk of failure, but as a certain captain I'm quite fond of learned, playing it safe isn't always a good thing. In the Next Generation episode, Tapestry, Captain Picard is given the opportunity to change his past, and so he does. However, pulling at that thread takes his initiative away, and subsequently his command. And as you look at the course and the scope of the entirety of that specific episode, you're able to see that he comes to the realization that it was initiative. It was drive. It was being willing to take a risk, and not simply playing it safe that allowed him to become the captain and the commander, the leader uh, that he eventually became. And he also came to the conclusion that he simply could not live life as a person simply handing out reports and crunching data. It's important for us to understand as leaders that taking the initiative doesn't mean that we blindly follow whatever uh, situation happens to present itself or we leap without looking. But it does mean that we're able to take a look at the information and make decisions that consistently incorporate the information that's available to us, but we do so in a way that's not paralyzed by overanalyzing. As we think about spiritual leadership, it's important for us to understand um, surely the significance of wisdom and then also the importance of initiative. It's also important for us to remember the third aspect that I'd like to engage with today, and that's grace. After all, leaders are sinners. Uh, We all hold leaders to a higher standard, and that is as it should be, so long as that standard is not perfection and allows for grace. There seems to be many who fall on the extreme spectrums of this issue, especially in church leadership. Either the expectations for leaders are so stringent that Moses, Peter, Paul, and perhaps even Jesus himself would be disqualified today, or so loose that there is total disregard for the qualifications for church leadership in Scripture. What about biblical faithfulness to the qualifications the Scripture set forth within the paradigm of grace, which is the Bible's meta narrative? So, in other words, what about an approach to leadership that incorporates the qualifications that Scripture sets forth? But it does so within the context of grace, which is the greater context of the biblical witness altogether. Now, leaders too can fall into the trap of holding their peers and followers to unreal expectations, and so they must be careful to extend grace, even as they themselves need to be the recipients of grace. What does a posture of grace in leadership look like? Is it weakness? Is it leniency? No. No. It's neither of those things. It confronts and forgives as commanded. It's willing to rebuke, but it's also willing to restore, and it's also willing to realize redemption, even as we see that play out over and over again in Scripture. Well, these three aspects and characteristics of spiritual leadership are by no means exhaustive. However, they are an excellent place to start as we consider what it means to be a leader in a spiritual context. We have to be leaders that are informed and shaped by wisdom. And that means uh, solidly based upon truth, absolute truth, the truth of God's word. We have a worldview that's permeated by that truth. It also means being willing to work with others and to have a wise counsel alongside of us. It means not only being able to take in information, but also being able to take initiative and to make decisions in a way that don't get bogged down by over-analysis. It also means that we engage with and are the recipients of grace. Now, for this episode, as we transition to... uh, a little bit more of a nerdy aspect of the uh, podcast. Uh, I ran a poll on Twitter and Facebook and have compiled the results and comments. I asked which captain was the best leader and gave the options for Kirk, Picard, Cisco, or Janeway. There was an excellent response, so thanks to everyone for voting and interacting. And I actually ran the poll both on Twitter and on Facebook, and so I'll give you the breakdown. On Facebook, there were eight votes for Kirk, 28 votes for Picard, 10 votes for Cisco, and 5 votes for Janeway. And then for Twitter, the breakdown is in percentages. So uh, Kirk had 13% of the vote, Picard had 68% of the vote, Cisco had 9% of the vote, and Janeway had 10% of the vote. So if you just look at it with a bird's eye view, so to speak, uh, Picard overwhelmingly was the pick for the best leader. There are also several comments, so thanks to everybody for uh, contributing to the conversation, and I'll I'll share these. A.N.G. Reynolds said, I went with Cisco on this poll simply because he did have that rally the troops type of leadership style and was a great uh, assessor of his crew's capabilities for each situation. However, each of the captains would be a great choice. Calvinist Data said, You, of course, Captain. Thanks, Calvinist Data. Prometheus X-303 said, Flattery subroutines will get you nowhere in reply to Calvinist data. Carol Parsons said, Janeway by far. She tamed a Borg, kept Q on a leash, formed a federation in a black hole, established countless diplomatic relationships without kirking planets, and did it all without losing her femininity. Sarah Salazar said, Janeway, but I'm definitely feeling some gender bias. I will admit Strong, intelligent, decisive, loyal, yet markedly feminine as well. Hashtag role models. Caleb Keith said, Picard was a stalwart leader and deep thinker. He always looked past the surface of the issue and into its deeper implications. Thanks, Caleb Keith. And I believe you also uh, are a co-host and um, producer of the Thinking Fellows podcast. So thanks for engaging on that. Um, Morgan Bennick said, obviously, Picard boldly went where no one had gone before, but Janeway was completely thrown in a brand new, seemingly impossible situation all alone. For her to have carried on the way she did and so consistently lead her crew, she gets my vote. Cal Elvinist said, Picard, because of his inspirational presence and ability to delegate. He also ran a briefing room like nobody's business. Just sat there while everyone else pontificated and then said, okay, let's do that. Then he got the credit for the mission success. Genius. Uh, Levi said, I voted Cisco, but that's only because Captain Archer wasn't on the list. Daniel Harper said, torn between Picard and Janeway, Janeway took essentially enemies of Starfleet and made them allies and had to deal with the cohesion issues of two groups. Picard was an avid learner and teacher. Adam Charles Young said both Picard and Sisko were superb leaders. Personally, I prefer Picard's style. I want a leader always calm, slightly detached, somewhat above everyone else's, but willing to show vulnerability at just the right moment to remind us he is human and we too can rise above all that is around us. Jay said, I want the stoic philosopher that Picard embodies to lead me. A man that has a high appreciation for areas like philosophy, art, science, literature, and archaeology. Melissa Eubank said, Me like punches and kicks, Kirk best, Kirk best puncher. <laughs> Lauren Daniel said Picard because integrity. Zach Hicks said, When it comes to Picard or Cisco, it really depends on what situation we're going into. I'd rather go into battle with Cisco. I'd rather avoid that battle with Picard. Chris uh, Pofal said, For me, it boils down to Cisco or Janeway, but I'm going Janeway. Of the two, she got dealt the worst hand. New ship, new crew, lost on the outset of their first mission. No star bases, no federation, no friends except what they're able to make along the way. Tiny ship, comparatively, to be living on long term. And the audacity to think, hey, we're going to get home, and does so. Todd Hoover said, "Cisco." He didn't take crap from anyone and had to be very diplomatic in dealing with the Bajoran Federation relationship, and he had to deal with the Cardassians and the Dominion. And of course, what makes him the best is that he liked baseball. Trudy Lee said, my favorite is the one I'm currently watching. As it happens this time, that means Janeway. Well, thanks to everyone for participating and voting and all the comments and um, for engaging in the conversation there. Be sure to listen next month for episode 13, where I'll take a look at emotional intelligence within leadership. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at Calvinist Picard. Also, take a moment to visit calvinistpicard.com for all the episodes of Captain's Log. You can also read the Captain's blog and leave comments on the first contact page.